Today, I continued my conversation with Tim about his journey with authentic relating. To reach either myself or Tim, please email us at spiritroadpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Awkwardly Zen Presents Spirit Road, a podcast about our spiritual journey where we can be awkwardly ourselves. It's a path that can be funny, absurd, enlightening, and life-changing all at the same time. Join us as we explore this mysterious world and life we live in. I'm Tim Behrens. I'm Laurie Hewitt. And this this is Spirit Spirit Road. So we're back. Going to continue our authentic relating um, discussion because it's so fascinating. One of the things that struck me as we were talking this last time was when did we culturally become at a come to a place where we need to learn how to be authentic and relate authentically? My sense is we always related that way for centuries, probably. And now suddenly we have to be reminded how to do that. How sad is that? Yeah, very much so. And it's it's so hard to pinpoint, but my first thought is thinking about how our culture has evolved in such a way that we're now fulfilling roles. And I, I'm going to sound Pink Floydian as I say this, you know, but we're cogs in the machine, right? A little bit. <laughs> exactly. We, we make our living from going to companies and organizations that we are not directly connected to, to not to say that we're not invested because lots of people have passion for what they do, mm-hmm. but the roles that they play have been defined for them and are not necessarily, they. how do I fit into that role is the question, not how can I adjust that role to fit in to me and who I am as a person. And we've lost connection with, I think, families and smaller communities you know, I, I have friends who grew up in multi-generational families when they were younger, and it was such a different experience of living with parents, grandparents, and aunts, and uncles who all lived in this one house together. And now you think about, you move across country for a job, and you have no family sometimes anywhere near you. And then think about trying to make connections in that new community. It's, it can be very difficult. Absolutely. And, and, and I think with, we were just talking about the industrial revolution prior to this and just thinking about how there was a shift. I mean, there has been a shift mm-hmm. where our jobs take us away from our community mm-hmm. and from our families. And sometimes they take us across the country and then families become even more divided And while all of that's going on, technology is coming up and allowing us to communicate in ways that don't really always allow for authentic connection. They're more about, they're more goal oriented. What do I need to get done? What is, what is required of me in this moment? And our expressions become an aspect of that and not really about trying to create connection. It's more about fulfilling the role. Even thinking about healers, you know, being in the spiritual community and things that there was a point where healers were revered in their community and people took care of them, gave them what they needed, gave them shelter, gave them a place. 
and um, they were allowed to exist as who they were and fulfill that role of being in being in community. Yes. And now I feel like we've been given an equation for what it means to be successful and an active contributing member of society. We've been given the equation for what happiness means. It might mean, you know, full-time job, roof over your head, two and a half kids. It's it's been defined for us, the American dream. You know, it's even got a name in, in our country. And that doesn't really reflect everyone's path, certainly not the path of spirit having human experience. It's like there could be any number of reasons why we're here, any number of things that we've come to learn and experience. So 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 there's just this incongruence between uh, between the roles and expectations that are given to us and and who we really want to be and how we want to be in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that moving more toward authentic relating will shift that in some way and bring us back in a sense closer together and respecting each other's differences and gifts? as spirit and kind of shift us a little bit in that direction? I'd be curious. And even outside of those practices, I'd I'd be curious to know what you think of this. It feels like in some ways that is actually happening right now, almost as a result of the last couple of years. So many people finding themselves in isolation, working remotely from home, separated from family because of the distance and the inability to travel that in the midst of that, there's been this shift in thinking of uh, people really having an opportunity to ask themselves, what is important to me right now? Absolutely. Um, yeah. What? Where do I find value in my life? And I would think for so many people, myself included, that the answer comes down to connection. It comes down to relationship and how we interact with others. And then they find from that, well, I now know this is important to me, but I don't see that reflected in my day to day. And there are so many people, myself included, who are leaving their employment yes. to seek other things because they want to be more aligned with what feels important to them. Yeah. And that's very powerful. And my hope is, is that really shifts us culturally to a place where we are more authentic with each other and are allowed to follow what resonates for us, what what really fits for us, as opposed to how do I find the best job to make the most money, to have the most toys at the end of my life kind of mentality. Yeah. And it, it, it feels almost as we're describing this, it feels like an empowerment thing as well. Like when I can have the experience of connecting with someone on a deep level, that they know me for who I am and not how I'm portraying myself or not what's expected of me or my roles. I'm just going to want more and more of that. And I'm going to be more of that in the world. And as I find I'm empowered to support myself and to pursue the things that, that feel valuable. Mm -hmm. I also find myself moving into situations that, that more are, uh, that, that are more aligned with that. And it may Mm -hmm. mean leaving your job or it may mean just um, testing the waters of curiosity and leaning into your edge, some of these authentic relating terms that come up at your workplace to say, how much can I be me in this situation and, and still be okay? Exactly. So how do we then create that safe space, that place where people can begin to feel comfortable being their authentic self? How does that work? 
And it's such a good question. And the, almost two questions. One, uh, the one that I can answer a little bit would be, how do you do that in the context of an authentic relating event, mm-hmm. you know, where people come together with that shared desire mm-hmm. to experience connection? And then the the bigger one, which I think is the open question, is how do you bring that kind of space into your day-to-day or into your work world, whatever it might be. In relation to the events themselves, I, a lot of it comes down to setting context. People feel a lot safer when they know what to expect from a situation. And and we do this some in our, our Zen Zooms and when we uh-huh. do discussions where where we go over the community guidelines in the beginning, we go over ways people can participate and what the expectations are of the community as to how we are going to treat each other. You know, and mm-hmm. awkwardly Zen, there's no right or wrong. That might be an agreement that we all come together to say, that's how we're going to approach this conversation. Um, and that's really what's expected of you to be a participant here. If you feel like you are adamantly right in something and someone else is wrong, maybe this isn't your place. So, uh, so in authentic relating, there are there are certain agreements that that you would go over in the beginning that kind of set the context for how the evening will look, what kind of space you're going to be in, and and just, I'll I'll share a few with you real quick. I mean, the, one of the first ones is to respect yourself, which is to say, ultimately, everyone who is there, we want you to take responsibility for your own well-being. If something wow. if some if a game comes up that doesn't feel good to you, you are well within your right to say I'm not going to participate in this. If you need to leave the room for whatever reason that you're going to do it. And and it's so funny. I mean, they seem like simple things, but we have so many situations in our day-to-day life where it doesn't feel right. Even thinking about kids in schools have to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Sometimes they're denied that permission. That doesn't feel like a, you know, a good vulnerable space to be in, right? Right. Um, but the more that we can say, I, I'm going to take responsibility for my experience here. And that also means I'm going to take care of myself. And what that does for others is if everyone has that agreement, then we can test our curiosity in such a way. Maybe I'm going to ask you something that feels a little uncomfortable, but it's genuinely, authentically what's coming up in me. I have a curiosity about it. I'm going to ask that and see what that feels like for me and maybe learn something that I really, truly want to learn about you. But I'm also trusting that if it's too uncomfortable or doesn't feel right to you, that you're going to take the responsibility to say, no, I'm not going there. And and so that gives us permission to maybe, you know, it sets a different kind of boundary, I guess. You know, another one kind of feeds into that, speaking of curiosity, is to lean into your edge, which is to say so often in our day-to-day we have interactions with people that are based more on what feels appropriate or what the social norm is as opposed to what our genuine curiosity is. And so we have this agreement of leaning into your edge, which is to say, I'm going to go a little bit past that. And I'm going to really listen to what's coming up in me. What do I really want to know about you? What would I really ask if I could trust that you were taking care of yourself? And I'm just going to, I'm going to push myself to try some of those things. And, and so often the things that we worry about or the reactions we worry about in others are not really a concern to the person we're interacting with. It's something that's coming up in our own world. That's keeping us from really being able to connect. Right. Um, You know, another one is to stay present it's, as we spoke about in the last conversation, you know, that it really is a relational, meditational kind of interaction, 
which is to say, I could get into storytelling mode with you and talk about all these things that came up for me earlier and or all of these worries I have about the future. And those are certainly can be real, but how much can I be here in the moment, really be an active, attentive listener to what you're saying, really be present with what's coming up with me and trying to express those things? You know, how much can we bring things to the right here and now and be in relation to each other as opposed to the stories that we tell each other? So there's that meditational aspect. Well, and what also comes up for me in this moment is how often am I sitting in conversation with someone and listening to them, but formulating my response or my story while they're still talking, as opposed to just really staying present and listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Just uh, lovely. I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of a game, like, because I've mentioned they're not like games you would imagine. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of things around sentence stems, like where we all kind of take a moment to center ourselves and we come into relation to the room. And then there will be a prompt of some sort that kind of gives us a context for our game. And one sentence stem might be one time I, and you finish the, you fin- finish the sentence and people try and share something that might, they think might be truly a curiosity for the rest of the group or something that would be fun to share, might even push the the limits of what feels comfortable to them. You know, I'm, maybe I'll try and share something personal, see what that feels like. Maybe maybe what's coming up for me right now is I don't feel safe in this space and I'll share something surface and that's okay too. It's just being true with whatever's happening. One time I went to Hawaii on my honeymoon, you know, there's nothing super personal, but it does give you, you know, it might it might be further conversation or something. And then the next person goes and you get halfway around the circle. Everybody's sharing one time I something and halfway through, you know, whoever's running the group might stop and say, how many of you were thinking about what you were going to say while the other people were talking? The first time you do it, everyone's going to raise their hands because that's just the nature. We don't want, it's so hard to be in the flow. We question our ability to be present in a conversation. We worry about how others, how others will react to us. And as a result, we're always preparing for what we want to say and not being present for what's actually happening. And so we're not truly in connection in those moments. And then we might do it again and and say, I'm going to trust myself to come up with something when it's my turn. And I'm just going to listen to what people say as they share when it's not. And, and, you know, just having that awareness brings you more into the conversation in a way that you're actively listening, actively participating, truly in connection. So, yeah, lovely stuff. Thinking about telling stories, another agreement is confidentiality by request. Yeah. And that's to say that in those groups, people might know each other. They may be in community with each other. That's often the case. It's hard to set a context where you you can't talk about things that come up, you know, outside of the context of that group, because ultimately you're creating relationships with people. But maybe the agreement is to say, you know, I shared something that felt really personal. I would like to request that that does stay in the container of this group. And not only that, but I can request it now or I can request it a week from now. I can request it whenever it comes up for me. Just to say that it's well within your power as you're being re- respecting and taking care of yourself to to set boundaries around the things that come up if that feels appropriate to you. But to not assume that other people are going to keep that a secret unless you've specifically requested it. So in those groups... There isn't that overall understanding that kind of what happens in the group stays in the group, that level of confidentiality where you're expected to not go out and necessarily talk about what happens, or is that? 
I would say I would say that it doesn't have to be that. I mean, it could be an agreement. Part of that is like part of an authentic relating night is deciding on what those agreements are and getting buy-in on them in the beginning. It may very well happen that someone would say, you know, I would like it what happens in the group to stay in the group, and then the, they decide on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I think. I think the idea is that as we are sharing these things, it's it's perf- perfectly natural for people to have curiosity and to share things that they want to talk about later. Is it okay to talk about them? We decide up, up front what's okay mm-hmm. and what's not okay. So that might be an agreement. The last one, and, and then I know I, I'm going on and on about this. The last one I love, um, check your assumptions. It's my favorite, simply because we when we go through our day-to-day interactions, we will notice things about people that immediately lead us to stories and assumptions. We think we know someone because of a political bumper sticker they have on their car or because of the way they wear their hair or um, the way they walk or the kind of car they drive, whatever it might be. We have all these stories that gives it puts us in this place of thinking we understand who they are and what they're about. And the reality is those are just stories. And so in the context of these groups is say, let's put all of that aside. Let's go with the assumption that we don't know what's happening in someone's inner world. And that's part of this conversation is to we're going to ask questions that allow us to get at the truth of what their experience is. And the more we can let go of our stories, the more we can ask questions that really reflect that. Absolutely. And as you're saying that, what I'm realizing is, is how much of interactions are based on assumptions that are usually completely wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just a lovely thing to come into any, any kind of interaction to say, uh, and also to acknowledge within ourselves that we do these things. It is human nature to categorize and to put labels on things. I mean, there's in any given moment, there's so much information coming in. That's how we manage it. It's how we navigate our world. But to understand that that's something that we do allows us to maybe approach conversations and interactions in a way where we can be open to the fact that we may be wrong. We're always telling ourselves stories, but but the more we can say it is a story, um, and, and it's also true that sometimes our stories align with the facts, sometimes <laughs> you know, they do. Uh, the yeah. idea that sometimes stereotypes are based on some semblance of truth, but it's not the whole story. And the more we can be open to the fact that we don't know the story, the more we can we can really right. truly connect with someone in the moment and learn who they are and what's happening for them. What I'm remembering in this moment as you're talking is when I was first working in the mental health profession back in Indiana, this woman that I worked with said to me one day that she really thought I was a snob and I was shocked. It was like, excuse me, I'm so not a snob. And what she had assumed was snobbery was actually, she was responding to my shyness at that point and how I was pretty quiet. And because I was quiet and just listened and observed people, she made the assumption that I was judging everybody and I was somehow thinking I was so much better than everybody else. And as she got to know me, she said, that's not you at all. I'm like, that's right. I'm, I'm just shy. Yeah. And I tend to be really quiet, especially in a group situation until I get really comfortable. We we talked about the circling practice in the last conversation, mm-hmm. and um, that's one thing that's really lovely about something like that is we might, you and me might be in a circling group together we're sitting kind of just taking in what's happening in the moment online where we might be looking at all these different faces on a screen, whatever it would be. 
um, in that in that conversation, I start to get this feeling. Well, I, I I feel like Lori's judging me. She's sitting there with her head kind of cocked to the side, and it's been really quiet. I feel like there's some anger going on there, but I'm that comes up for me instead of just sitting with that feeling and telling a story about you that I just I don't know the truth of it at all. I would ask. I would I would be like, Lori, I can't help but notice right now that you're sitting that you've been very quiet and your head's cocked to the side. And I, for me, I, I'm feeling like there may be some anger going on. Is that true? You know what I mean? And it's the, and right. then I, I give you an opportunity to see what's happening in my inner world and say, absolutely not. It's not true. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, and, and then, and then we can, we can have an interaction back and forth yeah. where we get to the truth of what is happening. And boy, what a empowering, beautiful thing to let go of those stories and get to the truth of what's, what's actually happening right. in the moment. And, and then how connective is that when you can truly. Right not just, you know, have a feeling for what someone else's experiences, but have the opportunity to ask them about it and express curiosity about it. And empowering for both because right. you get to let go of your assumptions and I would be able to really check in and say, what is going on with me and relate that then in a very real way. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. And again, I'd, yeah, I'd love to continue having some ongoing conversations. I feel like these ideas or concepts or practices feel so important to me on the spiritual path of just how do we bring what's important, what's uh, bring our feelings and what's coming up for us and what are concerns and anxieties and desires and all of that. How can we express that in a world in a, in a way that we are giving people the opportunity to know us and in turn creating an environment where people feel safe letting us know them in return. Right. Exactly. And I think as we're getting to know each other and are on our spiritual paths, it helps me as well, you know, to be able to say to people, these are my fears about it. And these are my insecurities and these are my questions so that it opens it up so that I can share that and not have to feel like I have to somehow put on this face of, oh, I'm pretty good. And I talk to spirit and it's all cool because it's not. Yeah. And so when I'm being authentic and others are allowing for that, then it allows me to look at my own fears that come up and my own insecurities about what I can do or not do. And that's, like you say, that's very empowering. And I think especially on our, our spiritual journey, because everyone's is so different. Right. And to be able to be open about that with each other seems like it just helps us all to grow more and have more awareness of how we are as a spirit and how we relate to spirit then. And I would, it's it's so interesting that I, I notice in myself and that's probably something you'd hear in an authentic relating group. I notice in myself what's coming up right now is that I like I'd love to end this conversation with just just a slight note of caution, which is to say how much I love these practices, how valuable I think they are, but also how valuable they are in relation to other spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. For instance, discernment. Yes. You know that we may find ourselves in situations where it is not entirely beneficial to let someone know what's going on in our inner world. Or we may find ourselves having feelings coming up that we need to sit with before we express them. Yes. Um, uh, we may find ourselves hearing things or taking things in 
that require some level of setting a boundary with someone to say, this is not okay for me. And so, so I feel like these are, this is one tool and a tool set that these things work together. Yeah. Boundaries, discernment, intuition, being able to be authentic, um, that all of those together can, can allow us to create spaces as individuals, but also as practitioners that ultimately allow us and the people that we're with to feel more comfortable getting at what's really happening in the moment, what's really important. That is so true, Tim. Thank you so much for sharing that and having this conversation today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Sure. See you soon. See you soon. 